Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Tasty Tidbits Podcast. Get ready to receive rich, well-seasoned, and tasteful tidbits to transform your life. Each week, Dr. Tiffany comes to you with inspirational encouragement and thought-provoking interviews to help you revolutionize your walk with God. Are you hungry for more of His presence? Then get ready. And now, your host, pastor, author, and motivational speaker, Dr. Tiffany Watkins. Hello, everyone, and welcome again to Tasty Tidbits. I am your host, Dr. Tiffany Watkins. I am so excited to have you again today on another episode, and I'm so excited about our guest that we're having today. Her name is Sylvia Worsham, and we're going to get into some very important information that I believe that the Lord uh, will bring to us today to be able to help you to get through life. And, you know, I just want to ask you the question today. Have you ever found yourself at a crossroad in life where you've had to um, make some important decisions and you had to determine which path you would take and you didn't know whether it's going to be negative or positive and you didn't know what you were going to do or if you're just going to survive or you're going to thrive through that issue or those decisions that you have to make. And so today, that's why we have Sylvia here today. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about Sylvia. Sylvia received three miracles within 72 hours during Easter weekend in 2012. She used this major turning point to trade off her multiple award-winning sale career at Pfizer Pharmaceuticals. Did I pronounce that right? Was it Pfizer? Yes. <laughs> to become the author, multilingual speaker, and turning points coach she is today. Sylvia lives her passion by helping men and women who find themselves at crossroads navigate change with confidence, faith, and joy. And I'm just so excited to have her here today. So thank you for being a part of the podcast today, Sylvia. Uh, Could you just tell the listeners some more about yourself? Well, thank you so much for having me, Tiffany. I'm really excited about this conversation. In fact, as you were talking, I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. in me. And so I got chills as you were speaking. (laughs) And I thought, okay, he's in the house. Yes, yes. I um, come from a As you read, I was in sales for a long time. I was in about 20 years, the first act of my life. And I landed there in this prime breeding ground because I was a perfectionist high achiever. And Mm -hmm. I'd been modeled that as a kid. My my dad is a retired surgeon. And he was this perfectionist high achieving individual Mm -hmm. who modeled and who shared with us that in order to be successful in this country, you needed to make money and to be worthy of living in this country, you needed to be successful, meaning you needed to achieve all these titles and achievements in your career, whatever that was. Mm -hmm. And while that's important, it also kind of led me into believing that unless I achieved, I wasn't worthy. Mm-hmm. That's what my mind as a little kid interpreted that. So I land in this prime ground of sales, which is ideal for a perfectionist and high achiever, because the more you give, the more they want. Mm -hmm. And I gave because I was striving to achieve happiness. And I got caught up in that space very quickly in my life. And so that's the surviving part of my life, because you're in survival mode, you are, Mm -hmm. you're striving and you have this, this pull and this need to be significant and worthy. And you look for it in your achievements and your career totally outside of yourself. Mm-hmm. And what I found was that my happiness and my joy were already there. I just never saw them. I was so driven by my fear inside of me. All these fear-based beliefs were were the ones steering my choices in life. And so I go and I achieve the number one status at Pfizer. I become this multiple award winner. I marry my first husband, all for the wrong reasons. I have a Mm -hmm. child with him. And then in 2008, as Hurricane Dolly is like making landfall in South Texas, my first husband asked for a divorce. And Mm -hmm. it just kind of like, wow, now I'm facing singlehood 
you know, and my little boy's four and he's playing quietly in the next room. And even though I, it hit my ego pretty hard, somewhere deep inside of me, I felt relief. And I don't know if anybody can relate, but I just did, even though I was facing unknown circumstances. And that's when my relationship with God starts to shift a little bit. You know, I come from a Mexican Catholic upbringing, but I never knew how to have a relationship with him. Mm-hmm. I never even picked up the Bible and read it. I was too scared to even open it up to read it. It was weird. And, and so the divorce comes at a time when I'm now promoted advisor. I'm in the best position of my life. I'd been trying to get promoted for four years with every rejection. It was like, no, 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 no. And finally I get promoted. And that's when he decides he wants to divorce me. <laughs> so I'm, like, wow. <laughs> I'm like sitting there going, oh, this is not gonna be good because my, I take over this, this territory that is not doing well at all. You know, the guy who had it before the, the rep, he didn't do anything with it. Mm-hmm. And he'd been in there for two years doing nothing really. Mm. And so I step into this territory, like with this like survival, like drive in me. I mean, cause I was, it drove me girl. And, <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh no, how am I going to do this with a little boy and a mortgage payment of like $2,000 and And all these things are just swirling around in my head. And somewhere in all that craziness, God puts a desire in my heart to become number one in my territory. And I just think to myself, oh, like, I don't know how I'm going to do this because my (laughs) my territory is underperforming. Like it is totally last in the region and the senior vice president and all these people advisor are like, she has six months to turn this thing around. And I'm like, six months? And I'm going through a divorce. (laughs) (laughs) and I'm a little boy and I have a mortgage and I have all these crazy things. Right. So that's the survivor in me, right? This is where I come from. And I'm decluttering my mind to listen to the promptings of my heart that God is placing in my heart. And I'm relying on him to guide me because I believe in myself. Uh, Obviously I pushed through my life this way for a reason, but I also need help. I need someone that is going to have my back, someone that's going to be able to guide me from this darkness, this, this period of my life. that's tough. And mm-hmm. so I do, I, I allow him to guide me in about like nine months later, I'm standing on stage, basically receiving the top award for Pfizer. Wow. And, but instead of being happy girl, I wasn't, mm-hmm. I was not because I grew up Mexican and Catholic upbringing to be a woman, you had to sacrifice something to, mm-hmm. um, to, to achieve. Right. Mm-hmm. So I feel this shame and this guilt, and I can't fully feel that fulfillment that God is trying to give me, but mm-hmm. I, my mind, my ego is rejecting it completely because I need to sacrifice something. And these are beliefs that are holding me captive forever. Right. And so finally I start dating who would become my second husband. And he invites my boy and I to Louisiana for a crawfish boil during Easter. And I mean, the the girl in me, the young girl, like the young romantic in me was like, I'm so excited. I want to go. And then a pain develops in my chest as I Mm -hmm. take breaths and I'm not sure what's going on. And so I just, I, Luckily, I have an entire family of doctors I could reach out to, right? So <laughs> right. Mom, my mom being my mom said, I don't think you should be flying. You should not take a flight right now. You don't look good. You look pale and you look deathly. And mm-hmm. But I'm in love, Tiffany. And that's, my love is like, is it's now moving in that direction. Yeah. And I take a flight. And so before I even get further into the story, there's more to come, obviously, but that I'm, I took you, I brought you all the way to the survivor part before, right. I, before there's any transition of thriving. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, um, you, as you were talking, I was just thinking about this because I'm that type of person too. You feel like, you know, I was always a high, high achiever. You know, I had to go to college. I had to do this. It was just, this, this, <laughs> and it's never enough. If you, no. it will never be enough. And you have to realize that through the Holy Spirit, he's enough. 
But when you have been in a situation where um, you feel like you have to thrive and like you said, and push and do uh, to be able to accomplish to be someone. So I'm African-American, of course. And so for African-American women, it's the same thing. You know, um, yes, that we've gone through strides and different things like that. But the truth be told, as a woman in general, you would always feel like you just have to push harder to um, count, you know, to keep up mm-hmm. with your counterparts. And so as in ministry, it's just in everything that you do. <laughs> and so you just have to get back to the point of where, and I was talking to my bishop today and we were just talking and I said, you know, we have to get to the point of where we're just pleasing the audience of one. And that's mm-hmm. God himself, Jesus Christ, because there is so many things that are going on that's tell you you can't make it or you can't do it or this person is doing so much and you got to get this or you know just all the things the enemy tries to bring in but when you realize like you were saying earlier you just have to begin to understand what you're going through because that's just a part of um, when you're very perfectionist you have that perfectionist spirit you just want to make sure you accomplish it to say but in the end if you're not serving Christ in the end if you don't have that relationship you, you'll still be miserable because he has mm-hmm. put something on us and in us that's purpose. And no matter how much money you make, you can get to the top and it all means nothing. So I appreciate you sharing that part with us because today we are talking about going from survivor to thriver. But tell us your miraculous story and how you even transition from corporate America um, to your entrepreneur. Such a big loaded question, Tiffany. <laughs> Can I just say that? I've gotten you to the point where I'm about to take a flight, but I'm now consulting with my brother. And Mm -hmm. I'm 36 years old now. Mm -hmm. I've been in a nine-year marriage and been single for three years. So now we're looking at, I'm still with Pfizer. I'm still very much a top performer. I've just won my, my second award being in the top 10% in the country in sales. So high, high performer, high perfectionist still start dating my second husband, Donnie, and he invites us to Louisiana. And I call my brother and I explain my, my symptoms, like what I'm feeling. And, and he's like, you're fine. You know, (laughs) you're fine. Just take some ibuprofen girl. You'll be fine. You know, you're, I was exercising seven days a week. I was in the best health and shape of my life. I mean, I was, I was dating guys. So I, you know, I was in the (laughs) stage of like, I gotta get past, you know, I gotta be fabulous. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I take the flight. And so it's a one hour flight from Brownsville to Houston, Texas, because I'm in Texas Mm -hmm. and he meets us at the airport and girl, I couldn't even as the plane landed, I couldn't even like lean down to pick up my stuff. It was so painful. I mean, Mm. I just cannot explain that pain was excruciating. And I just thought, wow, you know, and my brother had said, this is a really painful condition. This is very common in young people. You're, but you're fine. And so I have that in the back of my mind. I'm like, seriously, like, something's bothering me, you know, like I know something intuitively is off, right? But I'm still in love with this guy and I am moving forward. Like I am this determined person. And so I I grabbed my kid, we, and, but Donnie looks at me and I don't know if the Holy Spirit spoke to him, but he said, you know what? Instead of driving tonight, that was the original plan. We're going to stay at the hotel. Mm -hmm. Thank God he did that. Because now we're in Houston, Texas. And for those that are not familiar with Houston, Houston has medical center, like the top medical centers in the country mm-hmm. for what I ended up having. And so that's a, already a miracle in <laughs> itself. Right? Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> in the middle of the night, girl, at three in the morning, this pain jolts me. I mean, seriously, jolts me out of bed. And it's like 50 knives are piercing my chest. And I mm. am terrified to take a breath beyond a certain point because it just it's so painful and the pressure like when people describe heart attacks as being an elephant on your chest that's what it felt like to me it was awful it was the most awful feeling and somewhere deep inside of me I heard like a prompting that was so persistent wouldn't leave me alone and it said Sylvia lean forward and you'll be able to breathe and so I like lean forward in my bed Mm -hmm. and I'm able to take deeper breaths 
And I do this girl for four hours and I don't call a soul because I'm thinking it's the condition, the non-threatening condition that my brother talked mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. And so the next morning, Donnie, when he comes over to the room, I kind of explain what had happened. First, he's pissed that I didn't pick <laughs> up the phone to call anybody. He's like, why didn't you go? I was like, because I just, you know, I just thought it was stress or, you know, this thing. Right. So he's like, let's just call your brother. Let's just explain what happened last night. And so I pick up the phone and I call my brother and I'm like, explain the symptoms. And when he finds out, I got on the flight. Let me just put it to you this way. He was like, get in the car now and go to the emergency room. Like mm-hmm. you've got to get there now. Mm-hmm. Please don't start driving until they at least have a full view of your lungs. Cause I think it's something else. And mm-hmm. he won't tell me what it is on the phone. I think he's trying not to freak me out. Yep. You know, <laughs> girl, let me tell you something funny. The perfectionist <laughs> in me, the Frida Kahlo. You're going to be like, what, what is it? Yeah. You wanted to know. <laughs> I wanted to take a shower and get all dolled up before <laughs> I walked into the hospital. Tell me if I'm just crazy. But, but Donnie was like, uh, you're not doing that right now. You've already waited long uh, enough. You're mm-hmm. getting in the car. And so I get in the car and we start driving and intuitively I knew something mm-hmm. was terribly wrong. And I walk in unassisted, you know, in the hospitals when they tell you where's the pain and how bad is the pain and you say chest and you say past 10, they're like, get her in there now, you know? Mm-hmm. So they do, they get me in there. By this point, my little boy and my boyfriend are outside, you know, and he's not related to me, you know, so this is a critical deal. And I'm a single mom. And so all these thoughts are going through my head of like, I got to get to my son, right? Because they do the the deal and they take a scan of the lungs. And I have this doctor walk in and he's this gruff looking dude. And he just, he's a specialist of the lungs. And he's like, you should not be sitting up talking to me right now. You should have died last night. Wow. I don't know what you're doing sitting here oh. in the condition you're in. He said, you have two large pulmonary embolisms in your left lung. Mm. And to get there, Sylvia, they had to travel through the veins of your heart. I am surprised they did not stop your heart last night. That pain you felt, that was what was happening. And they were huge, girl. They were mm. huge on the scan. And he was just like, oh. so, Wow like big wow. Right. Mm-hmm. And, but that pales in comparison to what happens next, because in the original scan, they found that my liver looked funny to them and mm-hmm. doctors don't like funny. They need to investigate further. So they take a second scan the next day and I get six doctors in my room and I'm like, this isn't good. <laughs> this is not good. Mm-hmm. And they're not wanting to look at me in the right. <laughs> admitted me was like looking down and I'm in sales. So I know I can read guys very quickly. And the specialist that got mad at me the day before was like in the room and he started to talk and he said, first of all, we've already spoken to your entire family. We're all in agreement. We are racing against time. You have this massive clot in your main vein that supplies blood to all your main organs. And right now it's putting pressure on your liver. So you have a very big possibility of losing your liver, meaning you're going to be on the transplant list if we can't get to this thing fast enough. And we're going to start doing something that we're not used to doing on cases like yours. Usually we go like very aggressive, but we can't do that with you because you'll die on the table Mm. if we do that. So we got to go a little bit more conservative route with you. And so we're going to give you this medicine, but let me just describe to you what's going to happen with this medicine. And they go through, you know, those commercials where they go through all the bad stuff that happens. Yep. <laughs> okay. That's what starts to happen. And I'm like, I see at this point, my mom's in the room. My mom has flown up. My son has flown back down to South Texas. So it's now my mom, my boyfriend and I in the room. And I'm just like waiting for what's coming next. Right. So they go. And when they get to death and hemorrhagic stroke, I visualize, I close my eyes, everything goes numb. Like it's like this numbness just hits me all at once. And I visualize falling into God's arm in total surrender. Mm. And I accept what's going to happen next, which is a really big step for me because I'm a, 
I'm a controlling perfectionist, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. who cannot, like I had control patterns that were horrific, that were part of that survivor part of me. Right. right. And so for me to let go completely and trust implicitly was a big deal, a very mm-hmm. big deal. And the very next morning, a woman with the Catholic diocese walks into the room and you know, when, when you get admitted for those hearing, they, you go through all this paperwork and they ask what religion you are. And I was kind of in between religions because I was raised Catholic, <laughs> but I, because I had gotten divorced, I wasn't allowed back into the Catholic, but I had to claim something, right? Mm-hmm. So it put Catholic down. And so she walks in, she goes, do you want to pray with me? And I, and I thought to myself, I need a miracle. I really yeah. do. Cause I don't want to go the interventional route, which is likely going to mean I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. And so we start before I'm a circle, it's Donnie, the lady and I, and, and we start praying the Our Father and the part where it says, thy will be done. This love enveloped the whole room. I mean, it was so powerful. Mm-hmm. And I felt like God was cradling me like a baby in his loving arms. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I get, I get teary eyed just thinking about it. And this peace washed over me, Tiffany. Mm-hmm. And I knew I had been saved. Don't ask me how I knew. I just knew in the moment he came into my room and, and said, I heard your prayers and you're okay. I've got your back. Mm-hmm. Which for me was a big deal because I had been so alone in this journey. I had felt so alone in this journey that for him to come to me and say, I'm going to give you a second chance. Mm -hmm. What you prayed for, I'm going to give it to you. She leaves the room and Donnie turns to me, Tiffany, and says, you felt him too, didn't you? Wow. I was like, I couldn't even like put two words together. I just kind of mumbled yes. And tears are like streaming down my face. And the nurses, they had said that there was such a big shift in my face. Mm -hmm. I looked radiant radiant after the lady left she there was like they just saw this light like this my face just looked illuminated it mm-hmm. was it was a beautiful moment for both of us for Donnie and I right and they mm-hmm. wheel me in and I already know what the doctors are going to tell me but what really shocks the doctors is that with the case like mine where I didn't have just two large pulmonary embolisms in my left I they were everywhere girl. I was like I was a horrible, like mm-hmm. I was a walking time bomb. Right. Uh, they were shocked and they deemed it scientifically and medically impossible for me not to have long-term effects. Mm-hmm. I had zero effects. It looked wow. like I had never had anything. <laughs> okay. So that's the third and final miracle. The second being Jesus. that God comes into my room and tells me, you're fine. You got mm-hmm. your second chance. Mm-hmm. I heard you. I heard you loud and clear. And I love you for surrendering to me and, and trusting me to guide you and to lead you. And so mm-hmm. second, third, those, so those are the three miracles within 72 hours. Importantly enough during Easter weekend, which most people don't realize how important that one is. That's resurrection day for the Catholics te- mm-hmm. technically. Right. And for anybody mm-hmm. who's Christian mm-hmm. and what does resurrection mean? <laughs> New life new beginning. Yes. So I go from survivor to a new chapter. Yes. In 72 hours. And that's <laughs> my miraculous story. That's where I yes. land. Yes. And you know, yeah, I had a situation where I was in the hospital and I'm just thinking about your story that you had said. And it's funny because, you know, the doctors couldn't figure out what was going on with me as well. And, um, after the surgery, it's supposed to have been fine, but things just start taking a turn for the worse. And I did the same thing with just praying and asking the Holy Spirit, you know, um, Lord, you're going to have to show me what to do. I'm too young to die. You know, I was just talking to him. I was like, you promised me this, you know, and just going mm-hmm. back and forth. And, you know, that moment when you were in tears, I just thought, you know, I was in the room and felt the Holy Spirit as well. It was like a breeze that come in the room. And I told the girl that was in the room, I said, let the window, I said, did you, do you have the windows up? And she was like, no, it's not any windows up. Uh, we don't have windows in here. And I knew <laughs> it was the Holy Spirit. And then after that, because they ran all these tests as well, couldn't figure out what was going on. Um, but 
there's power in prayer. I won't go through that whole story because we're talking about this, but just to, to that surrender. And that's what God wants from us. And when you said that he truly wants us to know that he's in control of our lives, you know, and so many times we're trying to take control of our own life and our own journey and trying to make things happen. But really we have those, and I don't want to get ahead of myself because I know we're going to talk about this, but that's usually the point where God is saying, you know, slow down. I really want to show you what mm -hmm. I really want to do in your life. So um, it, it was just an amazing story just to hear you say that because I can relate to that as well. I'm getting chills as you're talking because I'm like, <laughs> I have found another sister. Yes. And they can I tell you, my doctor yeah. told me afterwards, he was like, you, you know, you should have, basically, you should have been here, you know, um, they had to give me a blood transfusion and everything, but I just knew, like you said, I just knew my time, you know, God, he, he gave me that comfort. He said, I'm going to tell you mm -hmm. what to do mm -hmm. and you're, you're going to start to get better. And so then after I prayed, I was playing Jesus of Nazareth. I told him, don't do nothing else in my room, you know, just do that. <laughs> and uh, that whole, after that, things just started to change. And I think, and I, I don't even think I know that God allows those miraculous um, things to happen at times in our life to remind us when things get hard, that no matter what you're going through, he takes you back to that moment of where he brought you out of so that you can remember that his presence is always there with you. And so, you know, we're speeding up a little bit, but how did that go for, um, take you from corporate America to an entrepreneur? I wish I could tell you honestly that it happened immediately, but that's not how humans operate. Mm -hmm. Humans like us who are perfectionists and totally ingrained in being perfectionists <laughs> and high achievers. Yes. Our mind is clearly, our ego identity is clearly in control. Mm -hmm. And ego, I think, has gotten a bad rap, reputation. It's not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Ego is our self-image. But if our self-image is comprised of fear-based beliefs, that's where the work begins. And that's what God is trying to show us is like, this is not the life I envisioned for you. You've got this armor set up but you've because you've allowed it. Like you've made choices. Mm -hmm. I've given you free will. And you've made choices to reinforce these beliefs in you through your actions every day. And every day you have choices and every day we make the wrong choice at times, right? So mm -hmm. I stay at Pfizer. My life changed though. Mm -hmm. It changed in that it, it planted a seed of why did I survive? And it starts this quest of discovering my divine soul's purpose mm -hmm. because I had my first act was operating from these beliefs that got me to this stage. And, and even though I was doing phenomenally well from the outside, on the inside of me, I there was this battle that ensued between these two identities now. Because God has shown me a better way. My soul identity was pulling me in the direction of my soul. And by what I mean by that is just the higher piece of us. There's this piece... Our light consists of our soul's desires. Mm -hmm. And we don't hear those desires because the armor that we put on us, the, the fear that we operate from will cloud. It will, it will completely make that dark to where you can't see the light. And mm -hmm. God becomes that light for you, right? It, he mm -hmm. shows you a different way. And instead of, continuously trusting him, we sometimes revert back to old ways of thinking because it's what we know. It's what we're comfortable with. And that's what happened to me. I stayed at Pfizer, but the seed had been planted. Mm -hmm. And so I start taking personal development courses and I start to really stretch my thinking and try to understand what is my true purpose in life? Because I know I survived for a reason and I should have died like not just three times, probably multiple times during those 72 hours. And I didn't. So there's a reason why I survived. So go find that reason. Go on that quest while I still operated in corporate America, right? Mm -hmm. But within like, let's see, that happened in April. And in August, Donnie asked me to marry him. So now starts the love is now in control. Like love is now guiding my choices. I'm so in love with this guy and I'm going to change my life and I'm going to move 
from my home base to Austin, Texas, which is where I'm at now. And I try to transition with Pfizer and Pfizer. Every door is no, you're not coming to Austin with Pfizer. And I am still operating from that fear-based belief in that a certain, I needed that certainty of like medical insurance for my boy, because I'm mm-hmm. super responsible and I'm, I'm this person that's been surviving all this time, right? So that's who I know. And so instead of accepting an invitation to come over to the John Maxwell team as a speaker, coach, and trainer, after taking some of these personal development courses, I say no to it, and I, but I keep it in the back burner, right? And it stays there. And, and I moved to Austin with a medical device company. And I do that for a year. And then after a miscarriage, I formally retire from medical sales completely. Mm-hmm. You know, another devastating blow uh, for me to, to move. And so now I've transitioned from corporate America to this, this 6.30 a.m. to 10.30 p.m. stressed out achiever to a stay-at-home parent. Stay-at-home parent to this, how old is Andres? He's like six or seven years old now. And I find out I'm carrying our second child who is now a baby girl, right? And I'm, I'm already like in the you know, second, third month by the time I find out. And I'm now a stay-at-home parent. And this identity crisis starts, girl. Like it's because <laughs> I don't know who I am without earning a paycheck. See, because my identity yeah. was tied <laughs> as a Hispanic woman mm-hmm. in the charge and leading the way and being raised the way I was raised. I don't know who to be now. I don't know who the heck I am. Mm-hmm. And so the hardest lesson that God taught me during that period was patience and his timing. Because I'm not a patient person. Right. <laughs> patience is not my strong suit. And so any women or even men hearing this interview, when you're a doer and an action-driven mm-hmm. person, patience is a really hard lesson. <laughs> I mean, I laugh about it now, but I'm just like, wow. And I chronicle these years in Journey to Me. In fact, these are chapters. Journey to Me is my first book that I published in October of 2021. But those years were not years I wanted to talk about. And, and God was like, Oh no, you're going to talk about these years because these years, these years you struggled. There was Mm -hmm. a lot of struggle here. And there's a lot of women that struggled through these issues. You're going to, not only are you going to talk about it in podcast interviews, you're going to write about it. Mm -hmm. Good luck to you. (laughs) (laughs) And so I, I, I transitioned, but at this point in my relationship with God, it's very strong because he has saved my life. He has given me a second chance. And so I feel compelled, Tiffany, to to listen to these promptings of my heart. And a prompting comes through very clearly. My baby girl is like maybe a year. Oh, I don't know. She wasn't a year old. It was like, she was almost three at the time. And I get this prompting call Bridget and Bridget McAdams had been the the girl who had invited me to be part of the John Maxwell team years before. And I had tabled that. Remember I told you, but the seat was there. And so I learned to trust God and acted on the promptings he gave me because every time I did, he came through not just abundantly, but way above my expectations. Mm -hmm. So I acted on it. I didn't know what was in front of me at all. And it was scary. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. It's still very scary for someone like me because I'm a perfectionist controlling person still. Mm -hmm. And he says, become part of the team. That's your, that's your, like, this is what I need you to act on now. And so I do, I start the certification process and three months later, I'm in Florida Mm -hmm. accepting, you know, becoming a speaker, coach and trainer for the John Maxwell team. And, and then God starts setting me opportunities to start developing different aspects that he needs me to develop in order for me to become the author in 2020. Because when the pandemic hits is when another very important prompting starts. And he had prompted me before, right after my divorce to write my book. And I had tabled that because I didn't think I was worthy. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't think I had any value to give the world. Like, who was I to write a book and to share wisdom? Like, what was I going to talk about? Right. I, I was just this pharmaceutical rep, you know, who had gotten divorced. What could I possibly write about? 
and that's what's going on in my head. But then the pandemic and everything gets quieter and more clear. And that's, and the prompting was write your book. It's time. Trust me, write your book. It's time. Trust me. I mean, it was persistent. He didn't let that one go for weeks. And I, I, I finally said, okay, fine. I'll write, but I just don't know what I'm going to write about. Like what, what can I possibly write about? What, what do I have wisdom about, you know, mm-hmm. share with the world. And he's like, you have plenty of wisdom. You've gone through a lot mm-hmm. turning points mm-hmm. in your life. And that's what you're going to write about. You're going to write about all these turning points and you're going to write about the shortcut to joy that you have found in your journey to share with others. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're going to communicate. You're going to, you're going to talk to people about how, when you turn inward for your answers, they're mm-hmm. right there. They've been there all along, mm-hmm. but your fear-based beliefs are the ones that stop you. That ego identity is something you're going to discuss extensively in your book, and you're going to share vulnerably mm-hmm. because that's how people are going to relate to you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, great. I'm going to talk about <laughs> stuff that's really personal to me. And, and I'm like, oh, this is not going to feel good. <laughs> this is going to be hard. And he's chiseling, you know, because God, would, what God does is through all these experiences, he's chiseling away elements that do not align to the beautiful soul he created you to be before your life experiences and your modeling and the trauma completely skewed your view. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's what the book is about. It's called journey to me, trust the wisdom of change. And it's been out since October of 2021. Mm -hmm. And it's been this, this complete shift from the person I once was the shift occurred really right after my divorce, because that's when I start to develop a relationship with him, as opposed to just believing in him. Right. Right. I actually talk to him every day to the point where my kids I'll be driving in the car and I talk to him so naturally that sometimes I'm talking out loud mm-hmm. and my kids are like, I forget my kids are in the back seat, right? And they're like, are you talking to yourself? Or are you talking to him again? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, he's here. He's in here with us. You guys don't feel him. I feel him. And they're like, my gosh, our mother has like lost it. <laughs> I'm like, no, but they actually view it very naturally. They, they, I've taught them to talk to him directly and to declutter their minds daily. And that mm-hmm. what I mean by that is some people, there's just so much noise out there. People are constantly on their phones. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't shut the news off and they allow all these things to penetrate their psyche. And believe it or not, your subconscious part of your mind has zero filter. So it just takes it in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A lot of people think the conscious ability of your mind is much more powerful than the subconscious. And that's just simply not true. Mm-hmm. Your subconscious mind is a lot more powerful as you probably already know this, mm-hmm. but some viewers or some listeners may not know that. And mm-hmm. it, so it matters what you listen to and what you read every single day, because it's coming inside of you. And it's, and if, and if you haven't worked through those belief systems that are still fear-based, it pretty much um, compounds on top of that. And that's why you view the world in a, you, your focus is off, if you will, a little Mm -hmm. bit, because Mm -hmm. that's all you're listening to. So that's all you're seeing everywhere. Mm -hmm. It just seems to grow as you, the more you feed it. And so that's, that's how God kind of started to work through my life. But it was, it was a couple of years. It was three years of being a a stay-at-home parent and until I become a speaker, coach, and trainer. So I hope I answered your question. Yes, you did. And, you know, I was just thinking about that too, because um, one important thing that I really heard you say, even in that was that you just have to, even as you're going through that change, it doesn't happen overnight. You know, you're still involved. Um, you went back to doing what you were doing until you heard that nudging from the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we recognize it and sometimes we don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are many things that take place 
to cause you to see or to hear what God is saying. Um, there are many people that'll come into your path. There are many things that happen that God's hand is orchestrated. And what we have to do is we have to listen to him, which you were talking about before is, which is that relationship with the Lord, hearing him, um, and stepping out in faith, especially when we're in control, we know what to do. Um, <laughs> we, we know where we're going to live the rest of our lives. So we think, you know, we've had this set plan and God loves to interrupt our plans. <laughs> you know, he loves right. to come in and say, you no, are no, not no, in no, control. No. <laughs> you are not in control. I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you and give you a hope and expected end. And so he knows what's best for us when we think we know what's best for us, he knows the ultimate best for us. And so when you turn your heart to the Lord and you just say, Lord, I want your will. It's a, it's nine times out of 10. It's a completely outside of what you would have thought for yourself, because there's so many people that you have to come in contact with. And I believe and know that God allows trauma a lot of times in situations that we go through to push us into our purpose. Uh, mm -hmm. Had we not had those experiences, um, we may not have been able to take a step back and look and say, God, this is um, something that you're orchestrating. And we can either be stubborn and say, no, I'm still going to do it my <laughs> way and never really fulfill what God has said or we can surrender. And I, when you were talking and just saying how, you know, you almost lost your life, it mm -hmm. makes you step back and say, you know, when I'm gone, did I do actually what I was supposed to do here on earth? Or was I just marking time? And so yeah. we don't want to be marking time. We want to make sure that whatever the Lord is directing us to do, that we take that faith step. And again, listeners, like she said, you know, sometimes it doesn't happen overnight. I remember the Lord had told me to leave my job. People was like, oh, I'm scared for you. You know, what are you yeah. going to do? My mother mm -hmm. was like, you know, are you sure this is what God is telling you? And I say, well, mom, I minister to people and I let them know to have faith. <laughs> then I got to have faith, you know, as well. I have to have faith and trust them. And it was literally a faith walk. Even today, it's a faith walk. God yeah. takes care of me. But that's the beauty of really surrendering to God and trusting him. Now, do I think I'm a thinker? So, you know, and a lot of listeners are thinkers and you, you still mm -hmm. want to do things. You're trying, okay, am I doing this? Do I need to do this? But in the end, if you listen to that nudging of the Holy Spirit, he'll ground yeah. you back so that you'll do it. And that's part of tapping into that inner wisdom because you're listening for the Holy Spirit and he will never, never lead you astray. No, uh, if, if no. Listen to him. It's always, I don't know if it happened to you, Tiffany, but when I, when I'm in doubt that I know for a fact, for me, that's my ego. That's my mind mm -hmm. doing that to me, my programming, my modeling, how I grew up, my trauma that's speaking to me, mm -hmm. which is a very powerful part of us. Because remember, mm -hmm. This has been with us since before we were the age of seven. Some of these beliefs formed. Mm -hmm. So I'm 48, girl. <laughs> <It's been laughs> yeah. These things I've had time to simmer in me, you know. And um, and then, but when I'm confident, when I act on the prompting of my heart, I feel peace wash over me immediately. And I know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that even though I can't see the path before me, I know he's got my back and I know that he'll send messengers to me. And I am I open to receive those messages. So when I receive uh, invitations from, when I received the invitation from you immediately, I felt a confirmation from him saying, you are meant to be on that interview. Mm -hmm. And and, and so now I respond. I had an instance not too long ago, like maybe two weeks ago, where somebody reached out to me on Podmatch and said, I want to interview you. I want to talk about the miracles that you received. And pretty, pretty early on in the pre-interview, I could tell I was not the person for him because he wanted to talk about my miracles, but he didn't want to, for me to be able to talk about my faith and my right, relationship right. with God. Mm -hmm. And right away, I knew this was not someone that he intended for me to, to bless with my testimony mm -hmm. uh, because that person was unwilling to, to talk about it and receive. 
You right. can talk about it, but it, when people are unwilling to receive because they have what I call religion trauma, and mm-hmm. it's very real. Mm-hmm. I think it's something we need to talk about because a lot of people feel that way. They'll go to church, but they don't really have a relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Have you ever found mm-hmm. that to be yes. true? Yes, yes, yes many times. Mm-hmm. And those people have an aversion they blame God for when things don't go right in their life because they say well I'm doing all the right things I'm going to church I'm like mm-hmm. but that's not what he asked us mm-hmm. like he asked us to love him and love others right right, right? he mm-hmm. asked us to he wants a relationship with us he doesn't want us to go to a church and just go there and and then not talk to him and not include him <laughs> right you know that's not how at least through my experience, what I found through all of the trauma that I went through is he's always there. We have to make the choice of our own free will to invite him inside our home, inside Mm -hmm. our world, inside our everyday life. Because even my husband was telling me, um, he grew up a Pentecostal, light Pentecostal as a child and very strict household, mm-hmm. very strict upbringing, um, judging mm-hmm. people, you know, mm-hmm. through their actions, that kind of environment. Mm-hmm. And so now when he, when he and I got married, we decided we were going to be non-denominational mm-hmm. uh, Christians, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That was the fair <laughs> assessment <laughs> with my Catholic and his life. And I was like, okay, that's the, that's the uh, compromise. Mm-hmm. And so he, um, so he tells me the other day, he goes, I really wish I had the relationship you have with him, mm-hmm. but you can, mm-hmm. it's, just, it's an every day talking to him, mm-hmm. just like you would just the way I'm talking to you, Tiffany, this right. Right. Talk to him. Right. I don't, I don't have a prayer. I don't even know prayers enough to like do that. Mm-hmm. I didn't even, I hadn't even opened up a Bible. I didn't Mm -hmm. know how to read a Bible. And when he, when God told me that in journey to me, I had to use the Bible as to kind of share the lessons I had learned. I'm like, are you nuts? I don't even know where to start. You know, like, uh, have you not seen my life? I haven't even read the Bible. How am I going to do this? You know? And he's like, why are you fretting over this? You know, I'm going to guide you. Like, why are you so afraid? And I'm like, because I don't know what I'm doing, you know, like, <laughs> and so, but he started to guide me. I started to gain through messengers every day. When you stay open to receive his messages, you hear him everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's that opening piece that I think most people are like, I don't know if they see it as like something so strange and so out of this world because that's not how they were taught as kids. Mm-hmm. You know, because Right. I was going to say, and you know, a lot of people wasn't raised that way. And but you know, I just think it, it's just like you said, it's being able to open up and communicate with him because he wants to communicate with us. He longs to for yeah. us to have that relationship with him, and he's concerned about us. And I think. We, you know, when you said people blame God, but it's because we haven't sat down enough to hear what he's saying about us. You know, Mm -hmm. we look at the problem a lot of times, but don't ever just go back to get an understanding from God and the desires that he has for us in a relationship with him. Because every time, Sylvia, and I'm a living witness, every time if, if I'm at my lowest of lows, like I'm like, God, okay, I've done everything that you told me I needed to do. You know, I've, you know, prayed about it, you know, God, why is, you know, things aren't working out, you know, why is it going this, the way that I need to go? And I'm at the point of breaking point of, you know, just letting everything go and just giving up. And every time I do that, it's like, God will send somebody to encourage me. Mm-hmm. Um, that don't know me. Um, I believe, be, believe strongly in the prophetic. I believe in the prophetic mm-hmm. ministry. So a lot of times the Lord will send people from nowhere that doesn't know me and say, the Lord said so-and-so, or he'll use just anyone in, or, or opportunities or things to remind me, uh, I see you, I hear you. Um, just keep staying in that relationship with me and your journey will have that 
prosperous and expected end that I promised you, but you have to go through this. And everybody yes. has to understand that you, you're going to have to go through something. Jesus, he had to yes. go through the suffering. He had to go mm-hmm. through all of that to the cross so that we can have eternal life. But if you don't understand that, then you'll constantly blame and shift blame and blame every everyone else instead of taking what has been hard to realize that that's going to help somebody else. Even mm-hmm. when I was younger, I went through sexual abuse and, and then I had a book, about, I got a book about it, just sexual abuse in, in the ministry, in church, went through with that. And so um, people would say, how could you still go to church? How could you still serve God? But even at that young age, I just love God. I couldn't explain it. I just, you know, I wasn't perfect, but as a child, I understood it's, it wasn't the people, it was the spirit behind the people. It was what they were doing, never, you know? And so I never blamed God, but some people would be like, I would have blamed God. I would have left the church. You know, I would have did this or did that, but it wasn't God's fault. We, we live in a fallen world, you know? And when you understand the Bible and you understand, you know, from the beginning that it was the enemy, it was Satan that came in. Um, and it's that part of the nature of man, that human nature that does it, God doesn't have anything to do with that. He wants to save us um, and he wants to be there with us and for us to carry us through that journey so we can realize who he is. But sometimes we get away from that. And so, like you said, it's just the way that we, I believe sometimes we're brought up, but if we really just take the time to talk to God, he'll answer every time. If we listen for that still small voice, he will do it. And and it's not going to be right away. Mm-hmm. I think most people are like, but I asked him, like my son, will, but I asked him, <laughs> I'm like, did you give him time to right. like, or did you say, in this moment, I need to hear it. I said, because right now you are so distracted. I mean, mm-hmm. a 17 year old boy, he's going to be distracted by video games and mm-hmm. television and news and all that, all that distracts you. So you really want to hear God, you got to get above the noise of the outside world to whatever you need yes. to do daily. I don't mm-hmm. care what you do. If you write, if you meditate, if you pray, if you walk in nature, if you exercise, I mean, there's so many different ways of like doing this. Mm-hmm. Do mm-hmm. it consistently mm-hmm. every single day. And and more importantly, stay curious and open to mm-hmm. receive. Mm-hmm. Because he comes in so many different forms. Like you were saying, the gift of prophecy. That's one of my gifts, by the way, one Mm -hmm. of my spiritual gifts is prophecy. Mm -hmm. And at first it used to scare me. Mm -hmm. That gift scared me because I didn't understand it. Mm -hmm. I didn't Mm -hmm. understand the channeling piece either until I met a good friend of mine, Amy Levelin, who channels soul letters, Mm -hmm. you know, and and she said, this is very normal. So you don't be scared of Mm -hmm. this gift, lean into it. Mm-hmm. And the more I leaned in, I don't know if you found this to be true. The more you lean into that gift, mm-hmm. the, the easier life is. flows. It yep. is so yep. much easier. I'm like, holy moly, I don't have to overthink things. You anymore. don't, you don't. I when just, that's a part of who you are, it just flows. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and these gifts start to emerge from the depths of your soul. Mm-hmm. And when you allow your soul identity to show itself, that's when you start attracting all this abundance in your mm-hmm. life because it's who you mm-hmm. really are. Right. This is the light <laughs> you carry inside of you. All of us have it. This yes. is a gift that is inside every single person mm-hmm. on the planet. Mm-hmm. But nobody sees it because we are too busy mm-hmm. reading mm-hmm. about tragedies, not being the givers that we are meant to be. All of us are meant to give these mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we miss it entirely because we're caught up in we need to feel significant through our achievements like I got caught up in that mm-hmm. for so long mm-hmm. and people whoever's listening I was miserable on the inside I may have looked like I had the per- picture perfect life the ideal everything inwardly I did not feel enough and that's not who God created me to be he mm-hmm. created me whole. He created me gifted and worthy from the beginning. I'm the one that messed it up mm-hmm. through my choices. Right. I'm the one <laughs> that fed it. My evil wolf. I don't know if you guys have heard the, the parable, the Native American parable of the evil versus the good wolf. 
you know, an old grandfather's teaching his grandson about mm -hmm. evil and good wolf it exists inside both of us. And he goes, evil wolf is all the evil things in life, anger, resentment, mm -hmm. all these feelings that we feel mm -hmm. that don't correspond to the good wolf, the blessing and the grace and, you know, the thankfulness and all these pieces exist inside all of us. Mm -hmm. And then the little boy turns to the grandfather and says, well, which one wins? And the Native American grandfather looks in and goes, the one you feed. Mm -hmm. So you're feeding. That's you're right. here every single day. Mm -hmm. That's the one. That is who you are. But you've made that choice. You've made that choice by your own free will. When you mm -hmm. invite him into your life, he takes over for you mm -hmm. in a way that lets you like lean into him and rest. Cause we have, I mean, we are in this country, we strive and strive. Yes. Holy yes. moly. I'm yes. like exhausted watching some of these people strive. And I thought to myself, that used to be me. What was I thinking? You know? <laughs> yes. I mean, like I was there like leading the pack. <laughs> uh, like, this is what I do best, but I was miserable. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. until I found myself in him, until I saw myself the way he saw me, until I loved myself the way he loved me, didn't see any of it. Mm -hmm. I couldn't feel the joy I feel just being here with you, Tiffany, right mm -hmm. now. Like mm -hmm. My eyes are watering up again because I, I feel so grateful mm -hmm. for this moment with you. Yes. Yeah. I feel so connected to you and I don't even yep. know, <laughs> yes. you yes. know, and I just, I'm like, <laughs> what a blessing. You've yes. been my, a blessing for me today. Thank you. Yes, Thank Lord. you so much. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And it's just, you know, it's just so, such a blessing because I'm telling you, Sylvia, just before, you know, we did this podcast, I was talking to my spiritual father and I was just telling him, I said, you know, we have to be confident in the God in us and we have to be confident to know that out of everything that's going on in the world if we just open up to him and allow him to use us in our own capacities like you said that soul nature that prophetic gifting that which is there we he puts it in us to be able to use it to bless others and even our stories it helps others you know I have testimonies from different people about how you know, they, you know, they weren't going to live or they didn't know if they was going to make it, but God sends in a fresh word. Well, he did that for me. And so what we're to do, some, some people say, pay it for it. That's what we're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. We're supposed to share Jesus, pay it for it with someone else of how he has brought us through all of these struggles. No life isn't fair. You know, it isn't, but what do we make out of it? And, and the thing is that God wants us to know that he is there for us. And we have to love him and, and we'll never be perfect, but his love is perfect through us. And we give that same grace to others as well, you know, and, and it extends to that. And so I encourage you listeners today to just allow the Lord to do what he desires to do in your life. It takes time. Yes, you feel like you should have been further than where you are. Oftentimes the enemy comes in and talks to us about where we should have been. But like Sylvia was saying, it's who, who's going to win when she said the story, who's going to win? The one that we feed the most. So we have to begin to, I, I say this all the time. I have my affirmations app in my phone and I'll put declarations in it or I'll put scriptures in it and I'll read it and just do it because I'm a thinker. And so the enemy comes to my mind. So I have to play, you know, stuff over. I have to, like you say, talk out loud so that whatever the enemy says, that's the opposite. I can't let it fester and stay a seed there because then I'm going to spend, you know, 30 minutes or an hour thinking about this when I need to be focused on Christ. And so mm -hmm. you have to be able to do what you can do in order to fulfill your purpose in him in order to go forward. So Sylvia, would you pray for the listeners uh, that are on today that feel like I don't even know where I am in life? You know, I'm at a crossroads. I don't know which decision I'm going to have to make. I love God, but I'm about to give up. Would you um, pray and encourage the listeners today, right now? Yes. Um, dear God. Yes, Lord. Please, please help them out of their darkness, whatever that darkness may be. If they're at a point in their lives where they are debating, 
they're doubtful. They're not feeling not worthy, feeling like they don't know what they're doing and what lies ahead of them. I want you, God, to please give them the light. Yes. Show them the way. Show them through you that there is light. Yes. Reach out to them via messengers, via anything. You know your children, God. You know how stubborn sometimes they can be. You know how sometimes they just overthink and they've had so much trauma in their lives, God. You know that because you see them and you know them. And because you do, use any one of us to reach out to them to show them that there is a way out of that darkness and that way is through you because you love them so much and you want to give them so much and they're just not listening are they yes but you are always there and they will find their way and i i feel it in my heart right now tiffany they they will find their way Mm-hmm. out of that darkness whatever that may be you have an enormous light inside of you you have these beautiful gifts please don't stand in your way of that beautiful yes. light because yes. we we are waiting for you there are gifts that are meant for all of us to enjoy yes. and you are the person that is going to give it to us and i want you to not be afraid because fear is only something you have allowed inside of your own mind. You have fed it for a long time. You can also have the power to remove that fear. Yes. So that you can see the joy and the happiness inside of you too. You have that power and I know it and I feel it for you. So I really want you to take a deep breath and to look inward for your answers and get quiet get very very quiet and allow allow God to work through you and with your gifts and step in there confidently because life is always happening in your favor always mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it is always for us not mm-hmm. nothing is happening to you it's happening for you and even the tough times teach you lessons if you reflect on your life right now i bet you can see them and the time is now to apply those lessons to move out of the darkness and into your light and i know you can do it i know you can if someone like me and someone like tiffany who overthought life can do it so can you Yes, you got yeah. what it takes. And I know, God, thank you so much for, for listening to us today and for guiding our words, guiding our stories to empower others. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 I feel the Holy Spirit. I really feel the Holy Spirit. And I feel that those that are listening, that this is a turnaround for you today. Even as you're listening to this podcast today, even after you listen to this, this week, you're going to see a divine turnaround. I decree and declare by the power of the Holy Spirit that you will see a divine turnaround in your situation where there's been a lot of waging and a lot of warring. The Spirit of the Lord is sending a great peace that is coming even in the midst of the storm. The Holy Spirit says, begin to step out of the boat. And as you step out of that boat, uh, like Peter did, he walked on water. As you begin to step out, God is going to catch you. Even when it seems like that you're going to fall, I see the Lord lifting you up and be encouraged to know that his hand is there to keep you even in the midst of what you're going through and you're getting ready to walk into your divine moment. And so we're praying with you today and we know uh, that the Holy Spirit, the Lord himself is on your side. So thank you so much today, Sylvia, for being a part. And if the listeners want to get in touch with you to get a copy of your book, to find out more about you, would you let them know right now? You know, Tiffany, the email that I gave you at the beginning of the uh, podcast is, yeah. is something to share with your listeners okay. in your notes. Okay. If they want an autographed copy of Journey to Me, Trust the Wisdom of Change. If Otherwise, they can order it on Amazon, mm-hmm. anywhere in any independent bookstore in the country or outside of our country. It's available anywhere you'd like. Just type in Journey to Me, Trust the Wisdom of Change, Sylvia Worsh. 
Okay. And listeners, we will have that information for you in the show notes and you'll be able to click on that and be able to pull it up and get right to Sylvia. And so we looking forward for you having a blessed week on this week. May the Holy Spirit be with you. May his grace shine upon you. And until next time, God bless. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Tasty Tidbits with Dr. Tiffany Watkins. If you're enjoying the show, feel free to subscribe, rate, and share with your friends. To learn more about Dr. Tiffany, check out her blog on goodreads.com or visit her website at www.renewedfaithministriesinc.com. Until next time, stay blessed.